0: Our passage this morning is from John chapter 13. We're going to read verses 34 and 35. Jesus said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, so you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Jesus, we need this love we need you to give it to us we need you to love through us descend on us we pray even right now god i pray that you would be present among us that you would receive our worship that you would remove from our hearts and our minds those things that would distract us from hearing your word and that you would enable us to bring glory and honor to you and that we would be able to take that to the world around us for our good for your glory and for the growth of your kingdom, in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Grace. Uh, glad to be here. I have two announcements. The first one is that tonight at five o'clock in the chapel, we are having our uh, pre-annual business meeting. Business meeting. Uh, this is where we'll go over the budget. If you are a member, uh, you can come. You can bring your questions. Uh, pray. For us and for the coming year. And then in two weeks on December 8th, we will be having our annual business meeting. But this time it will be combined uh, with at least two baptisms. uh, And hopefully some of you will tell us today or write on your card that you would like information about being baptized. We'll vote in some new members, vote on our new officers for 2014 and and whatnot. And then we'll have a great dinner uh, after that on December 8th. Uh, so pay attention to both of those, and uh, we will rejoice. Uh, let's pray one more time uh, before we go into God's word. Lord Almighty, again, we ask that you would open your word to us so that we would hear it and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Greg, can you turn on your mic? Can I turn on my mic? Yes, I can. Okay. Um, so Thanksgiving Day. Little Johnny bowed his, prayer, his head and he gave thanks for the Thanksgiving meal. He said, Dear God, bless Mommy and Daddy, bless Grandma and Grandpa. Thank you for our turkey and our mashed potatoes. Thank you for the red stuff. And Mommy, if I say thanks for the stuffing, will God know that I'm lying? <laughs> Thanksgiving, like all of life, is full of the good and the bad. It is full of the pleasant and the stuffing. Sometimes the truth is, as Johnny Carson said, Thanksgiving is an emotional holiday. We travel back and forth across the country to see people we only see once a year. Then remember why once a year is too often. If that is true for you, in any small degree, we have the sermon for you today because we are going to talk about love. As we get ready to celebrate Thanksgiving with the good and the bad. Let's also prepare our hearts to take communion. Uh, Pastor Benji was kind enough to let me do my annual uh, It's Communion Sunday uh, message today, so that's why I'm preaching uh, this morning. And I want to enable us to see what God's Word uh, says to us so that we can get both this communion right. And we can get our communion on Thursday as well. So let's begin by looking at 1 Corinthians 13. Paul writes to us and says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains but have not love, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. As we get ready for Thanksgiving and our own communion meal in a few minutes, we need to remember to use our gifts to sacrificially benefit others. Let me lay down my cards early. If you want to live, if you want to really live, if you want to grow past pettiness or shallow relationships and our childish obsession for whatever is next, then the only way you can do it is to love. Love someone outside yourself. Use your gifts to sacrificially bless them. Paul gives us at least three ways to go about doing this in our passage. And we'll begin with, give yourself to love. Now I take that out of the first three verses. Paul writes, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all I have and deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. My friends, let me convince you of one thing right away. 1 Corinthians 13 is not a love poem. Now, that's how we treat it. It is not a fluffy reminder to try believing in some wishy-washy feeling that guides our emotions, blah, 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 blah. Love is first and foremost a choice. Love is a decision to act, not to feel. Love, like all choices aimed at godliness, choices aimed at becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, will bring all kinds of emotions that are pleasant and unpleasant. If you truly love, you will feel anger. You will feel jealousy. You will even grieve. But if you stop loving when the tough comes, you'll never have that love when the good comes either. Now the second thing we need to realize is that 1 Corinthians is a part of a detailed argument that Paul is putting together throughout the entirety of 1 Corinthians to get the Corinthians to stop acting out of selfish feelings and to start loving. Loving primarily each other but those around as well. You see, the Corinthian misunderstanding concerned the gifts of the Spirit that led Paul to write this. He wanted to tell them that their ideas were wrong. (coughs) Paul wanted to communicate the truth that no matter how gifted you are, no matter how talented you are, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much of whatever it is that you value, you have, you are nothing if you don't Use those gifts to love others. If you don't use those gifts to sacrificially benefit others. If you aren't loving, then you are literally nothing. No love means no thing. Indeed, you and I must give ourselves to love. But what does this mean? I'll give you three ideas. To give yourself to love means to give yourself to blessing Those you love. Now, this can be as simple as on Facebook or an email. You shoot them a quick note saying, thanks for doing this. Man, I don't know about you all, but I like getting those emails, right? Or you can take the next step. You can get eyeball to eyeball with somebody and truly express to them about something you appreciate about that person. Man, that'll make your day, won't it? Perhaps you can do this with someone you don't get along with. Think about it. What is truly valuable? What is truly good about this person? Amazing things can happen when we look to God for courage and for grace. Secondly, we give ourselves to understanding. Be someone who pays attention to those who are around you so that you know what makes them tick. So that you know what is going on inside their hearts. Then you will be able to truly love your neighbor in a thoughtful, gracious, powerful way. When you really get to know what turns their motor on, you will be able to love them. And people will see that you are different. And thirdly, give yourself. Now let's just be honest with each other. Part of what makes the holidays so difficult is that we have to give up our rights to people that come together with us that have seen us in our diapers quite literally in many cases but in all cases they've seen us at our best and our worst man I hate being humbled like that you will have to take effort you will have to be humble and you will need a strength that goes beyond what any little superficial Christmas music feeling that you can get around the holidays. You're going to have to give yourself. But you will only learn to live. You will only really live when you are at the same time really giving it truly is more blessed to give than to receive because there is no better reflection of Jesus Christ than when you are giving because He is the one who gives first. Give yourself with a happy heart thanksgiving and you will have the best thanksgiving you've ever had. Now, that's just not my word. That is what God promises us. Because you can give without loving, but you cannot ever love without giving. And to love is to use whatever gifts that you have to sacrificially benefit those who are around you. So our first point today is we need to give ourselves to love. The second point, your second blank on your sheet, is that we need to recognize love when we do it. Follow with me, and starting in verse 4. Paul writes, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I've already spilled my beans and told you my definition of love that I've taken from here in 1 Corinthians 13 use your gifts to sacrificially benefit others but while it's good to have a definition that that is a good thing we need to understand that what Paul is attempting here in 1 Corinthians 4 through 7 is not a definition of love he is not defining love he is describing love John Piper writes Paul is not defining love. He is applying love to the Corinthian situation and using it as the criterion for why some of their attitudes and behaviors are unacceptable. What? Well, it's kind of a test, isn't it? I will know if my attitudes and actions are unacceptable because I will know if they are based on love or not. Let me give you what may be a life-changing observation from these verses. At least it was a life-changing observation for me when I heard it 20 years ago from a pastor. There is no command in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul is not telling you to do anything. Instead, what you have in 1 Corinthians 13 is a description of what love looks like. Paul describes love so that you can recognize it when you are loving someone or they are loving you. Here's the point. When you are patient with someone, you are loving that person at that moment. When you are kind to your neighbor, you are loving her. When you refuse to envy or boast over your brother, you are loving him. I used to fret. Because I never felt like I truly loved somebody unless I was willing and able to do something extravagant for them. But 1 Corinthians 13 gives me permission to start with the small and recognize I am loving by being kind. Now, is merely being kind or being patient all that there is to loving? Well, of course not. But it's a start. And when you recognize that being patient or kind is loving, then you will be able to take the next step. And that step will be to use your gifts to sacrificially benefit others. Love is a degree thing. You continue to grow in it just as you continue to grow in your experience of God's love for you. But we do have a definition. And so we need to ask the question, how do we come up with this definition? How do we know that this is a good, useful way of describing love? Well, I have a couple of definitions that others have given. Gordon Fee said, love is to actively seek the benefit of someone else. Now, I like Fee's definition because it emphasized the need for you and I to actively seek, to want to know, to to go after it. Love is not passive. Love is movement. Love is action. And this action is directed not primarily at ourselves. That's not love. Jesus says that you need to love others like you love yourself. He wasn't commanding you to love yourself. That's blasphemy, by the way. What he's saying is, I know you already love yourself, so love the people around you like that. Love is an action that is directed not primarily at the self, but at the person who is beloved. Dallas Willard says, love is a well-reasoned concern for the good of all. I like Willard's emphasis because he reminds us that we need to think about how we love someone. Guys, you disagree with me on that? Ask your wife, does she want $50 a $50 gift card, or would she rather you give her $25, but it's something that she really needs or something that meets a, a specific desire of hers. Love takes time to think. Now, probably the best definition of love ever given in the popular culture around us is when Bill said, be excellent to each other. Okay, I got, I got more of you this time than last hour. That's good. But what you probably didn't know when you watched Bill and Ted is that they stole that comment from Paul's own introduction to 1 Corinthians 13. Because in 12.31, Paul writes, And I will show you a still more excellent way. What is that more excellent way than using whatever gifts that you might have? It's by loving through those gifts. Given Paul's emphasis on the right use of spiritual gifts all the way through 1 Corinthians, I think the best summary definition of love is to use your gifts to sacrificially benefit those who are around you. Those gifts may be spiritual gifts. Those gifts may be monetary gifts. Those gifts may be gifts of your time. Those gifts may be gifts that you got last year and you're just re-giving. Oh, wait a minute. I wasn't supposed to say that. My friends, you and I will never be more like Christ. You and I will never be like the one who is most patient, most kind, most bearing person in existence than when you are using your gifts to bless those around you. Clearly, if there is no love, there is also no Christ likeness. You want to be a mirror for Christ to Christ love by giving. Use your gifts to sacrificially benefit others. So our first point was to give yourself to love. Our second was to recognize love when you do it. And the third point is to walk in the more excellent way that Paul and Bill S. Preston Esquire are talking about. Read with me, starting verse 8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish, gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known." So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Now you all have been to Christian bookstores and you see posters that have 1 Corinthians pasted on it. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but usually what happens is they end with the first three words of verse 8. Love never ends. Might be appropriate, but if we stop there, we would miss a whole, major section and how we are going to tie this in not only to the communion meal we have in a few minutes but also to our thanksgiving meal we have on thursday you see if we put these verses into one sentence paul is saying if you have no love you will have no future no love is no future The primary issue that troubled the Corinthians was their insistence on the gifts and the manifestations of the Spirit at the expense of actually doing what is needed to be done in the church. What is that, Pastor Greg? Love each other. What is supposed to happen in the church? We are to love each other. Paul said there was no love. And Paul wanted to make sure that they understood that if there is no love, there would be no future for their quote-unquote Christianity. There would be no communion at the Lord's table. There would be no family. No real family at the Thanksgiving table. Because love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Now, you may or may not know this, but much ink has been spilt about what verse 10 means. And I'm not going to get into all the grubby details about it. I will leave it sufficient to say that whether prophecies and tongues and these things have passed or not, love, the knowledge of God, the understanding of His ways, especially as it relates to us in the church, these things have not passed. And we can all agree on that. That is why you and I must use our gifts to sacrificially benefit one another. Whatever you think about the sign gifts of the Spirit, get on with the business of using the gifts that you have to sacrificially benefit others. And then Paul takes it to the next level. He says in verse 11, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, I don't think that there's anything in the Bible anywhere that is there by accident. And I certainly don't think that Paul just kind of thought these words sounded nice, so he threw them into some supposed ode to love. If you are going to live as a child, you are going to live, you're going to remain self centered, and you will never really love. The best you could possibly come up with is that you will, quote unquote, love the things that benefit you. But that's not really love. There is a difference between being childish. And being childlike. The childlike person is the one who loves freely, who hugs warmly, and is easy to engage. The childish person is the one who stamps his foot and demands that the world keep turning my way. Man, though, it sure is easy to stamp our foot, isn't it? But to live, It is to grow. It is to mature. It is to be able to to see beyond yourself. That is why to live is to love. Pastor Ray Ortland said, Paul saw love as the mature outlook. If we see love as entry level, as something that's beneath us because we've gone way beyond all that, and we are the Corinthians all over again. You see, grace and trust and love, these are all truths that an elementary student can know. But grace and trust and love, these are realities that the wisest person among us still cannot plumb to the depths of in understanding. Just like there is no such thing as preaching grace too much, there is also no such thing as learning to love too much. Now, you may not walk out of here loving and enjoying your stuffing. By the way, for the record, I love stuffing. I just like it cooked outside the bird. You may not walk out of here loving your stuffing, but the mature outlook takes that small portion that Aunt Matilda made, and you love the person who made it for you. You may not walk out of here chomping at the bit to exercise all the characteristics of love with your mother-in-law on Thursday, but the childlike outlook will help you to be a little easier to engage and a little easier to be patient and kind. Now, good news. Just like the Thanksgiving meal, Paul saved the very best for last. Look with me at verse 12. Paul writes, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Oh, I I pray you walk out of this room recognizing in these two verses an enormous promise that I pray will change your life because you trust this promise. My friends... This is a promise that all will be righted. That every good thing will be made even more beautiful. And the way that this will happen is this. There are people in our lives who are believers. We're talking about Bible-believing, Christ-honoring, going-to-heaven people. There are people like this in our lives that we would just as soon not see until we are both redeemed. Tell me I'm wrong. All right? The promise here is that when you meet that person in heaven, in the new kingdom, they and you will be fully mature. They and you will will be fully understood. They and you will be fully Christ-like. And it's that knowledge, it is that promise, it is that reality that you can bank on to love them even now. Even now. And because of this, this is just one significant Reason of many reasons why today you and I can use our gifts to sacrificially benefit those who are around us. Our trust in God's promises, our hope for a future with our stuffing, and for those around us who rub off that dull reflection of Christ that we carry around. Our love for God and others will one day be perfected. And we live in that hope today and this hope is what gives us encouragement for a glorious thanksgiving on thursday and a glorious communion in a couple minutes let's pray